How's everybody doing this morning? Glad you are all here. Just is it warm enough for you? Is it warm enough in here? Uh, we're so glad that you're here. You are free to bring sleeping bags and uh, blankets, whatever you need. But we're so glad that you have chosen to worship with God this morning. Man, wasn't that just an awesome worship experience? Can we give it up for our worship team this morning? You guys do an awesome job. You, you, they are here throughout the week practicing and in here super early on Sunday mornings and uh, it, it just, it really shows. It was a great experience this morning. It really felt the presence of God. So I'm gonna welcome all of you here this morning. If you do not know me, my name is Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive Church and uh, I wanna welcome all of those who are here and those who are watching online. Give us a shout out. Give us a comment. Let us know that you're out there watching uh, in the 715. We just want you to know that we are a spirit led church and we are on a mission to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means next week in our vision service. So I want to make sure that you get connected in our vision service. So we're going to finish up in our, our last message of our Grow Sermon series. And I want you to know, coming February, I'm really excited about a sermon series I'm going to do on relationships. We can always do better in our relationships. So uh, make sure that you do not miss out on that and then the EXO conference. So let's get started this morning. You get so much more out of the message when you take the sermon notes. So if you would like to have a, uh, some sermon notes for this morning, just simply raise your hand and one of our ushers will get those to you. Just keep those hands raised. We're going to get right into the message this morning. So uh, we have been talking about grow habits. Habits that will help us grow in this life. The dictionary.com says habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost voluntary. And so we know this. We know this about habits. You are where you are today because of your daily habits. You are where you are in life because of your daily habits. And we also know this, that growth will take place only when you change your habits. If you change your habits, you'll begin to grow. You'll begin to grow. And so I hope that you've gotten that out of this sermon series. We've been talking about these four habits that, that we, I try to encourage you with. And we get this idea from Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we see that there's just this interim phase in Jesus' life that we don't know much about, except that we knew that he grew. There was growth that took place in his life. And it says that Jesus grew in wisdom. In other words, he grew mentally. He grew in stature physically. He grew in favor with God. So he grew spiritually. And we, know, we see how many times that Jesus would get alone to pray and be with God, how he knew the scriptures. And then, all, and, and then he grew with all the people. And that, that, that means to me that he grew emotionally. So in this series, we've been talking about four grow habits that touch on each one of these areas. We said, number one, spiritually. Spiritually, if you just did this one habit, this says one habit, it would change your life, that if each and every day you woke up and you seek God first. You made God the first of your life by making him the first of your day. I promise you, it will change your life. But we also said this, physically, 
physically that if we would just take the reins, take the reins and, and apply the self-discipline that God has given into our lives, they would change our lives in a lot of ways. Last week we talked about mentally, that training your brain, getting into God's word, how important that is. And today I wanna to talk about emotionally. Today's title of the message of today is Be the Victor. I want you to look at your neighbor today and say, I'm gonna be the victor. I No, 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 really. I'm going to be the victor in my emotional life. I'm gonna be the, today I wanna talk about your emotions, your emotions. Emotions are where you feel from your heart. Where you feel from your heart. So we, our most basic emotions are this. We have, and we, we have extremes in this. So we have, we have happiness, that was kind of like the first quarter of last night's game. We had, yes. And my father-in-law sent me a text message. That was easy. And I'm like, yeah, well, I hope it stays that way the rest of the game. And then we have sad. <laughs> when we saw that football spiral through the, 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 the uh, goalpost, thank you very much. We have, we have secure we felt so secure about the game until the fourth quarter. And then fear struck our hearts. We had this thing called love. We love it when, we're doing, when they're doing great and we really hate them this morning when they do bad. I'm, I'm, using, I'm working on a sermon illustration here. We, we had peace that they're going to the Super Bowl and now we wake up this morning and we're angry that they lost. We were so excited, and now we are so disappointed. <laughs> I'm a little into this, and I'm just describing every single emotion I had last night uh, as I watched a game. But here's the deal: we know this: if we do not control our emotions, they will control you. If we do not control our emotions, they will control you. And we know this about our heart. The Bible talks about your heart in so many ways. But your heart is a very powerful force in your life. You're, again, your heart is where your emotions are stored. Not talking about the physical heart, but the heart, your soul. We, we know this. The Proverbs says this. The Proverbs says, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. And what he means by this is so much, we know this, so much for how you live your life, where does it come from? It comes from your heart. So much of how you live, so many of the choices, the decisions you make, it comes from your heart. And that's why the Proverbs says, guard your heart. Be careful for what you allow in your heart because that's where you make decisions in a, in a lot of ways. Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful. How many of you have discovered that? Sometimes our heart leads us down the wrong road. We, we took the advice of somebody said, said, sweetheart, you just follow your heart. And we followed our heart and like, oh my word, how did I wind up in this place? It's because we followed our heart because sometimes our heart is deceitful. I want to, to kind of hone in. Again, we talked about there's so many emotions, but I want to hone in on a particular emotion that I think we can all relate with this morning. I think we have all have experienced it, and, and I would call this the, uh, the emotion, the victim mindset, the victim mindset. The victim mindset is this. It's, it's kind of the, for me, I'm going to speak about myself a little bit this morning. 
When I'm in a victim mindset, I, I wake up, all right, I have just had this, I want to blame everybody else for my problems, for what's going on in this world. It's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. And, it, and a victim mindset is the, the mindset that just like, you know what, there's nothing good up ahead. Everything is always going to be bad. It's going to be like this every single season. It's going to be a great season, and at the end, I'm always going to be let down. That's a, that's a victim mindset. You know, if you look in Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. We know about the prodigal son, but he has this older brother. Let me explain the prodigal son. It goes like this. There was this younger, there was two brothers, and one of this younger brother went to his father, and he says, I want my inheritance, and I want it now. And so dad gave in and gave the inheritance. Apparently they did that back in the day. And they gave him his portion of his inheritance and he went out and he blew it. I mean, he blew it. Well, he's in that place where he has hit rock bottom and he, and he decides, I'm like, well, what if I go back to my dad? Perhaps my dad would forgive me and perhaps my dad would just make me a slave and I would at least have something to eat. So he goes back and his father is so excited for his son's return. And his son, his father doesn't even hardly hear anything. He's saying he's just hugging on him and he's kissing on him. He puts a robe around him, puts a ring on his finger. He's so excited. He says, in fact, he, he does more than forgive him. He says, we're going to celebrate our son's return and it's a joyful occasion and what it does is it describes the heart of God when we come to Jesus when anybody comes to Jesus God is excited the father looks and said my son my daughter has come home well there was this other brother an older brother and he comes home to this celebration and he's looking around and he's like what, what, what's all this going on what's what's happening here the servant tells him, well, you know, your father is, is putting together a celebration. Your younger brother has come home, and, uh, and he's celebrating. He, he's celebrating. What, what is he celebrating? Doesn't dad know what he did? He brought shame to our family name. And, and what is this that I have worked so hard and I have been so faithful to dad and I'm the one who has been the son who's honored dad the most and when has he ever put together a celebration for me? You, can you see it rising here a little bit? Have you ever been in that place? This is unfair. It is injustice. It's not right. Have you ever been in that place before? Yeah, how many of you watching the news? This is not fair. This is not right. We just all of a sudden decide this is, this is how the world really is. So there's, there's kind of, we learn from this story, we learn from this, this son, four characteristics of a victim mindset. And see if you can connect with them. First of all, there's anger. We see that, again, this son, this brother was angry. Again, why, do I, why, why am I not being honored? Why is this son who went out and lived in this disgraceful life, why is he being honored? So he's angry. And then he starts to blame. He takes on the victim mindset. He blames his father. He blames his, his brother. And he just kind of goes into the zone. And then we see denial. He, takes, he denies to taking responsibility for himself and for his actions and for his attitude. And then he starts making excuses because the father says, no, 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 come, come and celebrate with us, come. And he's, no, no, I, I, I can't, I'm just, no, no, no. He starts making excuses. Let me ask you this, let me ask you this question. Have you ever, do you ever find yourself in a, in a 
phase or a season in life where you're just angry. You're just kind of stuck on something. And you're, and you're right. What, what happened, maybe it happened to you, it's not fair and it's not right and you're kind of angry about it. You ever, you ever find yourself in that plain, place of blaming others? Had, if somebody had not done that, then this would not have happened to me. And then so-and-so, the reason why, the reason why it's so cold out is because somebody left their air conditioning on. <laughs> we, you ever deny taking responsibility for your actions? You ever find yourself consistently making excuses? You know, I found in my own life, when you have been hurt and you have been wounded, and you have been victimized, this is easy to do. So I, I am not picking on anybody this morning. I don't want to sound callous whatsoever because there are some of you who are here and you truly have been victimized. Yeah, there is a, a situation and you have struggled with it and you have wrestled with it and I, and I want you to know I, I, I kind of understand. I, I guess I can't really understand your story, but I can understand my story. I would, this morning as I was putting together this message and, and throughout this week, I'm like, there's, I would say there's two stories in my life that I'm still not prepared to talk about. Because when I talk about them, and it just, there, there, there's just a lot of pain and a lot of wounds in my life. And so, I kind of lead those stories before there, but I, I want you to know this morning that, that I can relate to some of you because I, I feel like I've been a victim in a lot of ways in my life. So can I, can I just speak, speak to you from, from a victim's heart this morning? Victimhood is where Satan would love for us to live. He would love for us to just wear this on our hearts where we're bitter, constantly upset about things, feeling like you can't do anything about it, feeling like nothing is ever gonna change, always that you're gonna be the victim. But the truth is, you, you, you can choose to live that way, but it's a miserable life. How many of you found that to be true? It, being a victim is a miserable life. Instead, God wants us to have what I call a victor mindset. Just look at your neighbor again and say, I'm gonna be a victor. I am a victor. I want you to look at this passage with me this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. The apostle Paul reminds us, to, for, uh, reminds us all to have, they, who have been victimized in one way or another. He says, but thanks be to God. Everyone, just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thanks be to God. He gives us the what? Thanks be to God because he gives you the what? You had the victory this morning. You had the victory, and, and where do you have it from? It is through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have victory this morning. What is he talking about? Jesus went before us when he went to the cross. He went before us, and he took the victory for your battles. So what is a victor mindset this morning? I want to talk about what that looks like to me this morning. First of all, victors, number one, they give their fights to Jesus. If you're here this morning and you, want, you feel like, man, I've been victimized and I've been hurt or I've been wounded, they, they give their fights to Jesus. They give their fights to Jesus. You know, it's interesting. When you look at the book of Deuteronomy, it's at the beginning of the Bible, 
And the Israelites are going through this journey. And through the book of Deuteronomy, uh, God gives them directions on how to live their lives. And just about everything, eating, preparing food, he actually gives them a battle plan for how to fight their future battles. And I'm going to tell you, before I read this this morning, I think that this same battle plan is for us today. I think that we need to learn to fight our battles exactly as he instructed the Israelites. He says this in Deuteronomy 24. He says, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Did you hear that? Let me, can I say it one more time? I want to say that here's the instructions. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. What, what did you just hear here? First of all, God goes with you. Whatever battle that you're going through in your mind or in your heart today or in your life, God is with you. We talked about that during our Christmas series. God is with you, and he goes before you. Number two, he fights for you. But he will not take up a fight that we do not give to him. A lot of times we, th we think that we are going to fight the battle for ourselves, but God says, no, 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 I will fight for you. If you will give me the battle, I will fight the battle for you. Isn't that what Peter says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you? What if we were to cast our cares on him and let him fight our battles? Because when he fights our battles, he gives us the what? He gives us the victory. So I'm telling you this morning, through Christ Jesus, we don't have to live the life of a victim. We have the ability to be the victor. So on number, number one, we're gonna give the fight to Jesus. And I, again, I want you to know God has not changed his battle plan. The battle plan has not changed. Number two, victors take responsibility for themselves. Victors... They take responsibility for their situation and for themselves. The apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, 14, 12, so, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Did, did, did you catch what, what, what Paul just said there? Do you know that each, one, each and every one of us, one day we will stand before God and we will give an account. What did we do with what we knew? What did you do with the knowledge that you had in Christ Jesus? Did you choose to live that life as a victim, even though you had been victimized and hurt and wounded, or did you choose the victory that we, has given to us in Christ Jesus? Last night, we were really watching a hero in, in, one, in the game last night. I don't know if I, I think he had a fumble ball, but football, the, the gentleman I'm talking about is Mercedes Lewis, number 89, a tight end for the Green Bay Packers. More, more importantly, I'm talking about his mom. Reading this article this week, growing up, his mom experienced, she lived in a very difficult neighborhood in Los Angeles, and experienced incredible abuse. At age 15, she gave birth to her son, her first son, Mercedes. Trying to live at home wasn't working out. Got into a very, very abusive relationship and escaped that relationship barely with her life. She ran away. 
And she decided that she was gonna work and she was gonna plow and she was gonna get herself out of this situation even as a single mom on her own. She had to raise her son in a violent, gun-infested neighborhood. He, he talks about it in this article that he says, when I was growing up and you were out on the streets playing and you just, you heard gunshots, you just, you heard the gunshots and you just kept on playing because it was just another way of life. Mercedes grew up in a home without a dad and his, his, his mom worked multiple jobs, 16 hours a day to keep up, but she wasn't gonna give in. Even though the situation that had been handed to her wasn't fair, she wasn't gonna give in, she wasn't gonna give up, she was gonna keep pressing on. Instead, she chose to be a victor and she kept bettering herself and her children. In fact, at age 10, she got Mercedes, she had scraped up enough money to get him into a football league. And ever since, every year, he's been playing football. But through the football, he, he, be, he learned certain qualities of self-discipline and he actually, he earned a scholarship to his favorite university, UCLA, a full ride scholarship. He broke a generational curse. He was the first member in his family that, they, that they've known of who graduated from college. Not only that, but he was only one of five tight ends in football to have played 16 NFL seasons. 16 NFL seasons. As a matter of fact, he is one of the Packers uh, team captains this year. After 16 years of playing in the NFL, he just finished his 17th, the question was asked, what kept you going? And he said this, he says, my mom had me when she was 15 years old, and so to watch her struggle, that's what gets me up in the morning. Nothing I could ever go through will ever be tougher than what she had to go through raising me. She is a warrior. She's a warrior. So we're, we're talking about taking responsibility for ourselves. It would have been easy for Mercedes' mom, Yvonne, it would have been so easy for her, to, for her to have taken on the victim mindset and said, this isn't fair. And you're right, it's not. I have been victimized. Yes, you were. Life just never seems to be working out. I understand. But she decided in this victimhood she was going to be a victor. She took responsibility for her life and for her situation. Let me say that one more time. She took responsibility and says, I've been given all that I need. I'm gonna be the victor. You know, we can never move into victor mindset as long as we're stuck in victim mindset. You cannot, you cannot move on. You and no one else are in the driver's seat of your life. This morning I got into my car to get here, pulled out of my garage, and it, the therm thermometer said 27 degrees. <laughs> I got into the seat of my car, put my seatbelt on, and as I was driving my car, I was thinking about the message today, and I realized I am responsible. I, if, if I turn left and I get on the highway, I could maybe go somewhere else today. But I was responsible for being here. I was responsible for the car. I was responsible for following the laws of the car, of, of the road. I was responsible for the speed. I took responsibility for myself. And I want you to know, if you don't take responsibility for yourself, no one else will. God has given you the power to take responsibility for yourself. And that's what victors do. 
no matter the situation. We know that life is not fair. Even Jesus said that in this world you will have struggles. But victors say, I'm gonna take responsibility for my life. Victors, number three, choose to see the good in the bad. Again, Jesus clearly tells us don't, don't be confused. As soon as I become a Christian, everything is going to be all rosy and everything is just going to be wonderful. It's all going to work out. Uh, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Jesus tells us that in this world, you will have struggles. You will have challenges. But he says, be strong because I give you, I give you strength to overcome the world. So I'll be with you. You know, our life changes our life changes when we see our challenges differently. When you begin to see your life, when your challenges are different, uh, let me give you an example. No, you look through the Bible, no one really sticks out as, as like a victim like Joseph. You know the story of Joseph? Joseph was this, this youngest brother of, of, of many brothers, and he was dad's favorite. How many of you are, you, how many of you are dad's favorite? How many of you are dad's favorite? Yeah, a couple of you raise your hand. How many of you definitely were not dad's favorite? Raise your hand. Look at the victims in the room right here. Here we go. <laughs> favorite son. One day he goes to visit his brothers and his brothers kidnap him, throw him in a ditch, and then a slave trader goes through the town and they hand him off to the slave trader and they make a little money off of their brother. They go back and lie to their dad and say he must have been killed by an animal. In the meantime, he is taken into uh, Egypt and he's traded to some uh, government official and then the government's official, his wife, accuses him of rape. He's falsely accused. So now let's back up here. He was kidnapped and betrayed by his brothers. That is unfair, that's injustice. He's now been traded as a slave. He's lost his freedom and he's now a slave working for some government official and his wife has got the hots for him and he's accused of rape and he's thrown in prison. That is not fair. And while he's in prison, he helps these guys out and say, hey, listen, yeah, I know you're the king's baker and the, and the a king's a butler. If you can help me out when you get out of here, that would be great. And they forget all about him. That's not fair. He's in prison for something he did not do. It's not fair. A miraculous situation happens that you have to read the rest of the story. But now all of a sudden he goes from prison to like governor of Egypt just like that. Just like that. God, God just does things like that. Well, one day his brothers come into town looking for grain and he recognizes them. He meets up with them. And that through the story he eventually reveals that he is the brother that they sold into slavery, and he now has the power to destroy their lives. There's some of you who are here today, and that makes your mouth water, thinking about that. For the person who's hurt you, the person who wounded you, the idea of destroying that person's life is just salivating. Man, if I only had the opportunity like Joseph. And so that's what they, they're terrorized. He's going to crush us. Oh, my word. We put him in that situation. Well, remember what we did. Oh, my word. Listen to Joseph's words. He told him, do not be afraid. He says, you, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good. 
He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many people. (sighs) Because sometimes we have to look for the good and the bad. Joseph, listen to me, Joseph had every right. You're absolutely right. He had every right to be the victim because that's what he was. However, he chose to see the good and the bad. He chose to see God's plan in the midst of his suffering. And he chose to turn it around for the good to help out that kingdom. He saved thousands of people's lives because of that attitude shift. And you, you just might have the ability to change people's lives around you. You may not realize how much influence you have in your life unless you change your attitude about your circumstance. God's just waiting for that to happen. So in life, it's easy to see the bad, right? In life, it is easy to see the bad, but it takes faith to see the good in the situation that you're facing. Number four, Victors choose to be grateful. What is grateful? Grateful is this. It's an attitude that expresses thanks in everything. Let me say that one more time. Gratitude, grateful, to be grateful, is an attitude that expresses thanks in everything. When, it, when I talk about everything, I'm not just talking about all the good things, but I'm talking about the bad things as well. I, there's, there's something to, to say about that. Studies have shown that people who have a grateful attitude, they are healthier and they're happier in life. The Apostle Paul challenges all of us in 1 Thessalonians. He says, in everything. Look at your neighbor and say everything. 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 What's, what's Pastor talking about anyhow? What's he talking about? He's talking about everything. Paul says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I have discovered this. One of the easiest ways for me to become ungrateful in my life, I have noticed, I've been on this fast here. Anybody else been in a 21-day fast here? We got one more week here. I'm telling you, God is just... I just feel like God is just doing so much in my mind. He's clearing my mind. You know why he's clearing my mind? You know what I got? One of the things that I I fasted is this. Social media and and the news. Oh, my word. The world is so joyful now that I've fasted. Thank you, God, for challenging me that. But I, I, studies have shown that social media, people are, who, who get on social media who are hooked on that, they become depressed. And the thing that they become depressed about the most is because they begin to compare the other lives to their own lives. In other words, they begin to compare their current reality, the behind the scenes, to other people's highlight reel. Because we know that everything that we put out on Facebook, all those selfies we've taken, we've taken 12 or 13 pictures before we find the right one, right? And that's really, that, that, we put out the highlight, we put out the best of the best. We have no idea really what the reality is, but we compare ourselves to what we see on this. And more and more people are suffering and struggling. Even teenagers are the worst, they're saying. They're growing up depressed and full of anxiety because they're comparing themselves to everybody, everybody else's highlight reel. In fact, I've fallen into this trap myself. I found myself looking and seeing what, what's happening in all these other churches. And I'm gonna be honest with you, there's times I've looked through it and I'm like, 
kind of jealous. Man, I kind of wish that was happening. Where were I? Man, just lots of people getting saved and the church pack, and I started to get crying. And you know what? God began to convict me about that. I read this book and it talked about the cure for jealousy is gratefulness. The cure for jealousy is gratefulness. In other words, I needed to be joyful when I saw these great things. And so I started to celebrate the wins that I began to see in other people. In other words, I got rid of my kingdom mindset and I opened up to the, the kingdom mindset. Are you with me this morning? Spirit of gratefulness. James tells us to let your challenges help shape you. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it opportunity for great joy. In other words, consider your struggles an opportunity to be grateful. Pray about that. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. So when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Did you know Beethoven? I read this this week. Beethoven, the, the great musical artist, creator, and even today, people just marvel at his work. Do you know that age, around age 44, age 45, he went deaf? He could not hear? Did you realize that? And did you also realize, people, musicians will tell you today who have studied his work, they will say his greatest work came after he became deaf. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, it would have been easy for Beethoven to say, I can't. I can't do this anymore as a victim. This isn't fair. God, why did you let this happen to me? But he said that, that when he began to put his music together, he put a pencil into his mouth, and he says that he actually became grateful for his deafness because now, before he was just putting it all together, and he never felt it, but now he had to learn to feel the music. And it became some of his greatest work through his difficulty. Last of all, and I, I just think this is just so crucial, victors choose to forgive. And again, at the heart of the victim's mindset is unforgiveness. When somebody has hurt or wounded you or victimized you, what is it? They owe you. They owe you, and only you will decide when they have made it right. They owe you. To forgive literally means this. It means to surrender the debt that has been owed to you. But no, but that's not fair that they owe me. Forgiveness, do you know this? That forgiveness is the heart of the gospel because when Jesus went to the cross, I want every time you look at that cross, I want you to think of the word forgiveness. Jesus became the ultimate victim and he took all of our wound and all of our pain to the cross so that you could be forgiven. And then Paul tells us this in Colossians, he says, in, in the spirit of this, he says, make allowance for each other's faults. You know what to make allowance means? To give grace when grace is not due. In other words, understand that nobody in this world is perfect, not even you. Nobody's perfect. And so we need to give grace even when grace is not due. And to forgive anyone who offends you. 
Then he says, remember this. So just, just if you hear anything this morning, remember this. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So Jesus tells us at the end of the Lord's Prayer, some, of, some people are really, they're stuck and because they don't, they don't realize this, but at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives like an oh by the way. And he says, oh by the way, if you cannot forgive others, you in return cannot be forgiven. Man, that's, that's deep. That's, that's time for another message series. Catherine Ponder says this. He says, she says, when you hold resentment towards another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get free. You see, again, I went through a season of unforgiveness. I knew that I was going through a season of unforgiveness and, and, and victimhood because it was the first thing that I thought about every single morning. And this went on for years, if I can confess that to you. The first thing I thought about every morning, I thought about what that person did and how that person owes me. And I discovered that I was linked to that person. And I really didn't want to be linked to that person. I was linked to that person emotionally. That person had room in my mind, in my heart, every single day. And the only way that that could be brought, I really didn't want them living there. And the only way that that could be broken was for me to forgive. And sometimes forgiveness is not an overnight deal. Again, some of you, you have stories here today that would just make all of us weep. And I can't imagine some of the pain that you have been through. But I'm telling you, there is power in forgiveness. If you no longer want that person in your mind and in your heart, you gotta forgive in the way that Christ forgave you. Corey Ten Boone, who suffered tremendous hardship in a Nazi concentration camp, she knows all about what it means to be a victim. She says this, she says, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was me. So to be the victor, we have to release the debt of others and instead take responsibility for our lives. We're gonna be the victor. We're not gonna be the victim anymore. I'm gonna give Jesus the fight. I'm gonna let him fight my battles. I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna start taking responsibility for my actions. I'm gonna see God in the bad. I'm gonna choose to be grateful. I'm gonna choose to forgive. All I know is that God has done all that I need to be the victor. I'm not gonna live in victimhood. I like to stay, I'm gonna put it this way. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ, I no longer live in victimhood, but because of his redeeming work on the cross, I now live in victory lane, amen? I now live in victory lane. How many of you like to live with me in victory lane this morning? I'm gonna live in victory lane. I don't live there anymore. That what you saw underneath, that's no longer my identity. I am free. I'm free indeed. And I know that that battle's out there and I'm tempted to be drawn back, but I'm not gonna live in victimhood any longer. Some of you are here today. And again, you have been wounded. I, we've described that. If you just bow our heads this morning and you would just, I want you to do this. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to look at me. If you've been victimized, you've been hurt, 
you've been wounded and the scar is still there and you want Jesus to do a work in your life, you want to give that battle to him, I want to pray for you this morning. God, all around this room, all around this room, people who just need to be set free from that hurt and pain in their lives. God, I pray that you would give them the power that they need. They would take responsibility. They would give their battles to you, Father. And then most importantly, they would forgive. Give them what they need, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, each person who's watching online, who is with us this morning, God, we live in Victory Lane. Just tell, just tell God right now, I now live in Victory Lane. I've just moved. I have a new location. I now live in Victory Lane. If you're here this morning, and I'm gonna tell you the first step to have victory in your life, the first step, the most important step is to invite Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. God loves you with an everlasting life. Ever, and, and he loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you, but your sin gets in the way. But God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price for your sin, and you just need to open your heart up to him, and you do it like this. If that's what you wanna do this morning, you wanna accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just say, God, I need you. Don't talk to me, talk to him. God, I need you. God, I've been living as a victim for far too long. I want the victory that is found in Christ Jesus. I recognize what you did on the cross for my sins, Lord. I thank you for that. And because of that, I am now gonna live for you. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to live for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we just give a victory clap for those who made that decision this morning? That's where the victory begins. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I wanna help you have another day of victory and another day of victory. This is your victory handbook right here. This is a new believer's Bible, the New Testament. And what it does is it just gives you, it goes through and it's got some commentary in here and some insights to help you take your next steps in your journey with Christ. And so this morning, if you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask that you want a guest card, if you just check the box, because we wanna keep up with you. We wanna keep praying for you. We're not gonna chase you or anything like that, but we wanna en encourage you and pray for you. But also, just take that guest card back to the people in the back at the guest center. Say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. Can I have one of those Bibles? We wanna give that to you as, as a gift to you. Thank you, God. I want to thank all of you for coming this morning. I know it was really cold, and some of you thought about, like, I don't know if I feel like it. I don't know if I feel like it. But you said, you know what, I'm going to be the victor, and I'm going to take the reins. And you are here this morning, and I hope that you are blessed, and you are challenged by this message. And I want to encourage you, before you leave, if you're a member of this church, this is an opportunity for you to walk out the doors in a spirit of worship to God through your tithes and your giving. And I want you to know at each and every one of our exits, there is a giving box, and I encourage you to give worship unto God and watch how it changes your life. So let me, let me encourage you and pray blessings over your life before we leave today. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises, for what you are doing. God, this, this, we're talking about these grow habits, Father. I pray that you would that's the first thing that we do each and every morning as we seek you first. You remind us of the rest of these habits to live them out for the victorious life that you have for us in Christ Jesus. And everyone said, amen. 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 Blessings as you, as you go on today in Jesus' name.